Hello guys, you are welcome to the Creative and the Law podcast. Please note that these podcasts do not serve as legal advice. If you are in need of legal advice or legal services, please consult a lawyer. Hello, hello, hello. Happy New Week. And once again, you are welcome to episode two of the Creative and the Law podcast. I want to say a big thank you to those who streamed the previous episode, those that shared the links and the artworks. I'm very grateful. Thank you very much. (laughs) So today I would like to address a topic or talk about how to avoid copyright infringement. The last episode, we talked about the general nature of copyrights, gave the foundations and a proper introduction. Of course, not exhaustive, but enough to put you in the right direction. But today, I want to talk about how to avoid copyright infringement. As a creative and an artist, one of the very last things you want to receive in your mailbox on your desk is a letter notifying you that you have infringed on someone's copyright and demanding compensations. Most of those compensation prizes are huge sums of money, (laughs) right? And as you build your career as a creative or as an artist, you need to be aware and know the ways you can avoid infringing on people's rights or you can avoid exposing yourself to copyright claims. This is what this episode is about. I'll share with you a few tips on how you can conduct and structure your your work and your creative process that doesn't infringe on another person's rights. I'd like to start by identifying the major cause of copyright claims and copyright infringements. Now, the major cause is something that I call carelessness. And this carelessness, I would like to divide into two. The first part is the use of a work without the license and the permission of the author. The second part is the use of a work beyond the license or permission given by the author. What this means is that I can infringe on a person's copyright when I use the person's work without the license or the permission of that person. I can also infringe on a person's copyright when I exceed the permission that has been given to me by the author. So it means that in trying to avoid copyright claims and infringement, it's not just enough to receive license and permission from the author. It's also very important to know and identify the limits in which the permission was given. So it means what I'm trying to say here is that if you listen to the first episode of the podcast, I mentioned that the exclusive rights that are given to a copyright owner or the author of a work. And those exclusive rights, there are several of them, but it is possible for someone to license some of those rights and still withhold the other parts of the rights. For example, some of a musical work, I can give permission to reproduce the work. It doesn't mean that I've given permission to, pr- to perform the work in public. So if I give permission to reproduce the work only, and then a person goes ahead to perform the work in public, that person has infringed on my copyrights. And vice versa, if I give the permission to perform the work in public, it doesn't mean that I've given the permission to reproduce the work. So it's very important to know the limits 
of the permission that has been granted to you. So how do you avoid copyright claims and infringements in a nutshell? It is by using works that you have the rights to use. Very simple. Use the works you have the rights to use. And as a creative or a company or an artist, whatever part of the industry you find yourself, there are many ways that you can obtain rights to use works. But the first and safest way I'm going to mention, like I said, safest way, not the only way, but the safest way, is to create the works you want to use. This is very safe. Create the works you want to use. So let's give an example, the making of a film, and you need a musical soundtrack. It is safer to create the soundtrack, I mean, write the songs, produce the songs, compose the songs for the film, rather than using another person's work. Like I said, safest. Of course, it is totally impossible to tell people to create their works on every project they want to do. That's why I use the word safest. There are definitely going to be times where it will be inappropriate or it will not be necessary to create um, the works that you want to use. Sometimes creating the works can be a lot expensive and time-consuming. So it is easier to just take license and permission from, the, from an author of a work that already exists, of course, that aligns with the project or whatever you're working on. But like I said, the safest way is create your works. So if it is possible to create your works, if you are in a position where you can create your works or create the works you want to use, it is the safest way to go. So just create your work. Don't be lazy about it. If you are in that position, create your works. If you're an artist um, or a musician, if you want to create content on your page, you know, or create content on your album or for your fans and for your listeners or your audience, create your work. It's easier that we write your songs or compose your music. Like I said, except you are in a condition where it's obvious that it's going to be time-consuming or totally unnecessary to do that. You don't have to create every work you use. I just said that this is the safest way to do that. So this creation of works can come in many ways. We can go into the details and details of it. Like I always say at the beginning of my podcast that when you need legal advice, this podcast will not suffice because it's not even an exhaustive um, conversation of this subject. So it is important that you, you also approach a professional when you find yourself in situations like this because sometimes you can get someone to create the works but through contracts and agreements, the work will belong to the company, to the organization, or to the sponsor, or to whosoever the contract agrees that the work belongs to. So just like I mentioned, the safest way is to own the rights, either by a contractual agreement or by creating the works. Just own the rights of the works you want to use. So the second way, which is the most common one, is acquire the rights from the right owners. Acquire the rights from the right owners. And now I'm going to split this into three. I like to split so that you can understand what I'm trying to say. I'm going to split it into three. First is that you can acquire rights by assignment. It means to assign the rights. An assignment means 
someone forfeits their rights and now gives you the rights. So they are no longer the owner of the rights. There are many conditions by which someone can assign the rights. But what assignment means is that the person gives you their rights. Imagine I have my laptop and I say, I give you this laptop. In, in Nigeria, what I dash you the laptop. So I'm no longer the owner of the laptop. It's now your laptop. In that situation, it can, it can also apply to copyright. Someone can give their rights. But note that for an assignment to be valid, it must be written. It must be in a written agreement by the person assigning, which is called the assignor. But the person assigning, it must be in a written agreement. So you can obtain rights by assignment. It means by receiving a right from the person, which now makes you the owner of the rights. It also, it also um, corroborates what I said in the first point, that when it, you should own the right. So when a right is assigned to you, you are now the owner of the rights. So it's also another way of owning the rights. But note that it must be in the written agreement for an assignment to be valid. However, when we come to the last two, which is license. So license can be an exclusive license or a non-exclusive license. So what is a non-exclusive license? A non-exclusive license is to do an act, you know, to pick one of the rights exclusive to the owner of a work and to act on it or to use the works in that particular manner. But it is non-exclusive because the owner of the rights can also grant that same license to other people. So it means if I am a copyright owner, I can give five, six, seven people the license to make my work available to the public to distribute my work. So that's not a, an exclusive right to the person I'm giving. Sorry, an exclusive license to the person I'm giving. So I can give or distribute that same license to several people that is a non-exclusive license. So in a non-exclusive license, it can be by writing or by an oral agreement, or it could be inferred by conduct. It means a person can act in a, in a particular way that shows the other person or that insinuates to the other person that they have permission to use that work in a particular way. So you need to understand that for non-exclusive licensing, it can be either written, oral, or by conduct. However, for an exclusive licensing, what I mean by exclusive, it means if I'm about to license my copyright to someone for them to be able to use, and it's going to be exclusive to them, either for a period of time, according to the contract. For example, if I'm going to have a publisher, for example, for my work, a music publisher, and it's going to be an exclusive right to the publisher, and I cannot have another publisher, then it must be in writing. So exclusive licensing must be in writing. Non-exclusive licensing can be either in writing, oral, or by conduct. And don't forget that assignments of copyrights must also be in writing. So in acquiring rights from the right owners, there are two parts of it that must be in writing, and there's one that must not be in writing. Assignments must be in writing, Exclusive license must be in writing, but non-exclusive license can either be by an oral agreement, a written agreement, or by conduct. But I'll always advise, 
you know, I'm giving you free gist. I always advise that for every kind of licensing assignment you want to do, always make it written. It makes things a lot easier, saves us a lot of headache, right? Just make it, you know, written all times. Make it written all times. Going further, there are situations where works can be used without rights being obtained. So these are, for you to understand the different parts of it, there are situations where rights can be used or works can be used, rather, without the rights being obtained. One of those situations is what we call the fair use, the fair policy. So the fair policy is a major exception to copyright infringement. It's one of the ways, one of the defense of copyright infringement. This is a doctrine that promotes freedom of expression by permitting an unlicensed use of the copyright protected work in a certain circumstance. So there are certain circumstances where this fair policy can be applied. So in section 107 of the Copyright Act, I, I, I try to avoid doing this, but... <laughs> It's creative and the law, so I have to code the act where I can. So it provides this, the, the conditions for determining whether something is a fair use or determining whether it, it, that a condition falls under the fair policy. So the examples are if you are using a work for criticism, you know, in, in, in you're analyzing the work, you're trying to criticize the work or appraise the work, then you do not need license or any form of permission from the author to do that. If you're doing it for, for teaching purposes, for scholarship, for educational purposes, they, you do not need permission to use that work. But it's important to be aware of the conditions that falls under the fair policy, which is an exception of copyright infringement. So this is one of the conditions where you can actually use a work without permission or without rights being obtained from the right owners. So don't forget that we're trying to teach you how to avoid copyright claims or copyright infringement. The first one is to own the works, either by contractual agreements or by creating the works yourself. The second aspect is to obtain rights on the right owners, which are divided into assignments, exclusive licensing and non-exclusive licensing. And then we got to this point where we're saying there are certain conditions or circumstances where works can be used without even having to obtain rights at all. And we said the first of that circumstance is what we call the fair policy, which I just explained. The second and the most popular condition is what we call the public domain. So the public domain consists of creative works which there is no exclusive intellectual property rights. It means nobody owns the work. Yes, there are works like that. Nobody owns the work. It is either the works have expired or have been forfeited or expressly waived or inapplicable. So the works might have expired. And what do I mean that works has expired? For example, songs become public domain 70 years after the death of the owner. So if you compose or write a song, the copyright is valid 70 years after the death, not 70 years after it has been written, 70 years after the death of the owner of the song. So in that kind of situation now, that song becomes a public domain. Everyone that wants to use that song can use it without obtaining rights or without obtaining permission or license from the author because it is now a public domain song. So there are some songs or some works that already existed even before the Copyrights Act came out. Those ones too are works that can be used without obtaining rights or permission from the author. So 
For musical works, musical works expire 70 years after the death of the author. For films, sound recordings, performances, the holder enjoys copyright for 50 years. So for musical work, it's 70 years after death. But for sound recordings, um, films and performances, it is 50 years from the time the work was first published. So get it straight. For musical works, it is 70 years after the death of the author. But for films, sound recordings, performances, and um, what's the, that different category, it is 50 years from the time the work was first published. From the time the work was first published. So if any work falls under this category, then those works can be used without the permission or without obtaining rights from the authors. Generally, it is just important that I mention that due diligence is <laughs> the surest way to avoid copyright infringement and claims. Just like I said at the beginning, that carelessness is the major cause of copyright infringement and claims. So the solution is to carry out due diligence. And by due diligence, I'm saying, ask the right questions. Do Go through the right process. Check, uh, do the right check. Is this song in the public domain? What, are, what is the use of the work? If the work is for educational purposes, scholarship, um, appraisal, and all those things, then we can know that we don't have to request rights or permission from the author. So you ask yourself the right questions. You properly analyze what you're working on, the project you're working on. Check the works that you need. Can we create them? Do we need to obtain rights, if we need to obtain rights, what are the ways we're obtaining the rights? Is it a non-exclusive you know, license? Is it an exclusive license or do we need an assignment? All those questions needs to be asked. And of course, as a creative person, it is, might be tedious to think of those processes. That's why it is important to always have a lawyer or have a, creative, uh, a copyright expert around you at your corner who can always advise you when you're embarking on any creative process or project. This is where we draw the curtains for this episode. I hope this helped you and you've learned something. Please don't forget to engage, like, comment, and most especially share to your creative friends. Thank you very much. I will see you next week. Bye.